Amen. Can you think of a time in your life when you ran into the arms of God more than any other time? Have there been seasons of stress or pain or disorder in your life that you can remember the season when that song was more true than maybe at any other point in your life? And have you ever taken a time when we sing that song, which I hope that's a song that transcends the ages, to think about how cool it is that we have a God that we can run into His arms? Is all the other religions of the world don't have a God that they talk about in relational terms, like a God that they can run into an arms or a God who is, has an intimate connection or desires an intimate connection with them. The, the gods that they claim to serve are gods who are distant and far away, and it's, it's all about, uh, it's simply about obedience, not, not a God who wants to shrink distance between him and what he has created, but our God does. And you don't have to worry about the times when you run into the arms of our God, whether it's because of stress or because of sin in your life, whether our God is going to receive you or not. Because one thing you see throughout the entire Bible, especially what God did through Jesus, is that our God desires for a repentant heart to come to him, a heart that desires to be made right with God. So uh, when we run into his arms, it's, it's the greatest place to go. I hope this is a song that we sing for generations to come. I know for some of you, wouldn't you say that's maybe some of our graduating seniors, one of your favorite songs? I saw some forums you filled out recently in which you said what what your favorite songs were, and I think that was on a few of yours. But here's the irony to me, okay? Because we love to sing this song in here, and I hope, Kip, we continue to sing it. The irony is all of us were just singing this song with great energy, and we were singing about something that the majority of you, if not almost all of you, hate to do. How many of you like to run, all right? I'm not just talking about running into the arms of God. I'm talking about running at all. We don't want to run. Can I get an amen from Mark Hickman in the house, right? Yeah. We don't like to run. I mean, some of you would rather sit through another graduation ceremony, right, than have to run at all. We don't, we don't want to think about running. I don't like to run. But then you read the New Testament, and running becomes one of the primary images and metaphors to talk about the Christian walk and what it is to to be with Jesus. And uh, Paul talks about running, and Peter will refer to running races. And the way they talk about it is that you run a race, you finish a race, you persevere, you keep going. In fact, if you read the New Testament, when it talks about running, running is usually used in a context of what it means to be mature in Christ or to grow up in Christ. Because if we're not careful, what we really mean is we would much rather God run to us than we would want to run to God. Now open your Bibles to Hebrews for a few moments this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. Hebrews 11 is that great chapter of the Hall of Fame of Faith where, uh, you know, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, by faith Noah, and all these people who did wonderful things. But here's how Hebrews 11 ends. And I want to hold together the end of Hebrews in the beginning of chapter 12. Here's how it goes. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now here's one of the worst chapter breaks in your Bible, all right? So if you make notes, I don't want you to think like at the end of chapter 11 that whoever it is who wrote Hebrews is saying, all right, now let's take a break, go get you your coffee and come back and I'll jump into the next topic because this is this seamless flow. So just as together with us, they would be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That you run with perseverance. Because what I want for our graduating seniors today is what I want for everyone in this room. And it's not that you learn what it means to begin the race with Christ. It's that you live to persevere through life so that you finish your race with Christ. Because the New Testament, it's, it's interested in how you begin the race. That's important. But the New Testament is way more interested in how you persevere on the race and that you finish the race. Because through you persevering on the race and through you finishing the race, other people will begin the race because of how they've seen you persevere. So a lot of times, um, and you guys, you've probably heard this at baccalaureates, and I mean, any of you have ever been to um, graduation ceremonies, baccalaureates, anything where we're honoring people who are moving from one phase of life to another, you hear the language of passing the baton, right? So there's, there are these races, you'll see them in the Olympics, you'll see them out on on the track that there's a baton and one person's running and they have a teammate and they hand it to the other. I got a 10-second clip. I want you to see this. There's no sound because this was in Spanish, but I want you to, to watch this race and I want you to see the blue team. If you're colorblind, it's these dudes right here, all right? Do you see this guy beginning to kind of trip and fall and another dude continues to run? Uh, and I just want to pause it right there. How many of you have ever tumbled like that on a track? Do we have any people in here who have? All right. <clears throat> And let me just use this, let me talk about this, that scene right there for a moment. Because this is something where you could take this into your life groups, small groups, Bible classes, lunch, wherever you go. And that image right there, you could talk about, all right, what lessons can we take from that to apply to what it means for one generation to hand something off to another generation? Let me throw out a few ideas this morning. And one is this, that for younger people and millennials, which actually I'm still barely in that category, all right? But we, we can tend to live through life as if we have all the answers for everything because Siri's one of our best friends now, all right? We have Google at our disposal. We think we can, we have everything of life. So if we're not careful, the younger generation can run in a way where we're not paying attention at all to whoever it is behind us. We're running our own race and we really don't care for you to try to dispense your wisdom and knowledge and whatever it is you know and to us. And if we do that, we stunt our growth because there's so much wisdom that needs to come from other people, right? Now, the other, another angle is this, um, that whoever it is in the lead, so here you got this guy running out front, and as you can tell, he's not, he's not looking behind. He doesn't know his partner has fallen yet. And you have this younger generation that is running, and what happens in a race, if you've ever done a race like this or you've watched it, whoever is in the front, they aren't supposed to turn around. So if you're in a race like this, you don't run and then turn around to have someone hand you the time so you can turn and run. You were running, and then the moment comes when you put your hand back, and you were trusting that whoever it is behind you is going to get that baton in your hand. It is their job to run, to reach, to place the baton in your hand. You don't look, you don't watch, you are trusting that it's going to happen. And if we're not careful, what happens is you have this younger generation that's running, and whether they know it or not, they're trusting that someone's going to hand something off to them that is meaningful and worthwhile and full of purpose. But if, if we are not living in a way that we're trying to give and dispense, then we're stunting the growth of the next generation. Let me give a great piece of advice to anyone older than millennials today. So there are a few generations represented in this room. Um... 
Quit trying to spend your energy pointing out what is wrong in the world and spend your energy pouring into people about what is right about God. All right? Um, because if you spend your time on social media and other places trying to point out what's wrong with the world and what is wrong with the younger generation and that you look and point and you see that, man, there's no moral compass anymore, that if that energy could be transported to spend energy pouring into people what is right about God and what is, what is wise about God and what it means to, to run a race well, this world would look so different. And, and I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the message, in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. This is from the message. Here's what he says. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, uh, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race we are in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he is there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item that long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Isn't that pretty good? Of what we want from one generation to another generation, because the image you get in Hebrews is about this cloud of witnesses, and this cloud of witnesses, they are not just cheering on people that they began the race. They're cheering on people. They're cheering on the church to finish a race well, to persevere, to keep going, and it's what the church needs to be about to. I'm hoping that for graduating seniors and for this church that we catch a glimpse of a bigger gospel than we could ever imagine. A gospel that is much bigger than trust Jesus with your life, trust him with your salvation so you can get your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die. But to be able to, to get a bigger glimpse of the good news of Jesus, it is about trusting Jesus with your salvation, but being filled with the Holy Spirit so you get to live a new kind of life. Because what I want the seniors to know is what I want so many here to know. If we pour into you guys in a way where you only become good citizens, we have not done our job of trying to present the good news to you. If all we do is try to train you to be nice people, we water down the gospel. If we try to teach you Jesus in a way where you love Jesus, but you don't love the church, we've missed out on something. And if we try to teach you to love the church, but not cling to Jesus, then we've missed out on something too. We want you to be able to press into this bigger gospel. This is about you thriving in life and persevering and keep going. Um, one of my favorite images of running in the Bible is how much running there was right after Jesus rose from the dead. You have women who run to tell the good news to the apostles. You have the apostles who run to see if the tomb is really empty. You have people running to the tomb. You have people running from the tomb. And when we get life right, when we get Jesus right, we are both running into his arms and we are running from his arms for the sake of the world. Because one of the greatest movements that we have to make in our life with God is that the life with God is not just about God and me. It's about God and me for the sake of the world. It's God and me for the sake of the rest of the world that they may know. Um, so for, for the whole church, 
I'm just curious for those of you in here who find yourselves maybe so stressed by life, uh, by the pain of life, by disorder, that you are struggling to run a race right now. Can I just see a show of hands, those of you who would say that would be you today? And for those around them, I want to ask us to pray for them in just a moment. And for those who raised their hands and for those who wanted to raise your hand but you didn't, just receive this word from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. And it says this, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees and make level paths for your feet so that the lame may be disabled, may not be disabled, but rather healed. I want to ask uh, our leaders this morning, if you will, take your places for our prayer leaders who are here to receive people. Will you go and stand in those places? I want, I want folks in this church to see where you are today. We have elders in the front who are here to receive you for prayer, but we also set up some other places throughout this room um, to receive you because there may be some people here who are struggling to run a race well. Or there is pressure and stress in your life, and what you need is you need a place where you can go Sherry Hart, I see elders surrounding Yolanda back here, and you just may need a place where you can go just to receive a blessing from the Lord, have someone pray over you that this week the perseverance will come into your life that you never thought you had. And here's how Eugene Peterson says it in Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. So don't, don't sit around on your hands and no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long distance runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Let's stand together and let's sing a song.